This summer we've been in the book of Acts and we come to the 13th um, chapter of Acts beginning in verse 1. Now in the church in Antioch, uh, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, uh, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been a childhood uh, friend uh, and was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. So when they had finished praying and fasting, they laid hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. There's an old story from the 60s. A missionary couple, an older couple, had been away many, many years uh, in the mission fields. And they came home uh, by ship. And as their ocean liner docked, also not far away was another ocean liner that was getting ready to come in as well. But that ocean liner carried a rock band from England. And so there were thousands of people crowding the dock to welcome home these rock gods and heroes. But nobody there to meet the missionary couple. And so the husband said to his wife in lament as he looked at uh, no one waiting for them and thousands waiting for the next ship to come in. He said, no one is there for us. And his wife said to him, well, don't worry. When we get to heaven, there'll be a large crowd to greet us there. Well, that's a very nice story. And I've heard it many times. But I want to tell you, there's a lot wrong about that story. Because when you look at Acts 13, what you see this morning in the scripture is that the Holy Spirit, the community and the missionaries are all on the same page. That they are all together. And I've got to tell you, if there was no one there on the dock that day to greet that missionary couple, someone dropped the ball. Someone messed up. Now, I don't know who. It could be the missionaries could very well have been the missionaries. You see, a lot of missionaries are like uh, Dino with the first balloon. They've got a great idea. They think God's asked them to do something, but they never submit it to anyone else. And they go off on their own uh, without any sort of support or uh, testing. Uh, They just head out, and the whole thing can often end up uh, very flat. See, I think sometimes missionaries can forget, uh, as people who who are sent, that they represent not just Jesus, but Jesus' body, the body of Christ. So if I go to Burundi in Africa in January, or our youth um, uh, choir goes to New Mexico and they've just returned uh, this week, or we've had two groups go to Costa Rica, Uh, there's a group from Riverside soon that will be going to Ethiopia. When we go those places, we're never going on our own. And we're never going because it's strictly our idea. We're going because God has sent us, and God has sent us through a community that we represent. So it's possible the missionaries miss that. Fred Craddock once said that God rarely calls you to do something in a voice loud enough for the whole family to hear. You know, you've always got some explaining to do uh, when you think God is asking you to do something. And so it's important that you have people that you can walk this through with in Um, in your community so that you can have the air and support in you uh, that 
that Dinah talked about. You see, one of the things is that in the Bible, it's rarely a matter of God's voice and God's voice alone. But God's voice is often being confirmed through other people in the community. So, for example, even when, when Saul on the road to Damascus hears the voice of Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now get up and go into the city. This is what God tells him. He says, get up and go to the city uh, and find Ananias and he will lay his hands on you. So even Saul's wonderful experience on the, on the road to Damascus was not a private thing. It was something the whole community got involved in. So anytime we believe on behalf of God that we are sent to do something, it's important that we test it out with the community. Because there are a lot of people that we read about and hear about who think God told them to do a number of things. From shooting soldiers on a military base to uh, driving their family into the bottom of a lake to things less sinister. People claim all the time that God's telling them to do things. But they don't realize that biblically God set it up to where if you think God's telling you to do something, you check it out with others of God's people. And it gets tested and confirmed. One of the things we know about Saul and Barnabas is not only were they using their spiritual gifts, but they were using their gifts in this community. So people got to know them after a while. And they knew the character and the heart and, uh, of Saul and Barnabas. And so they knew when Saul and Barnabas were sent, they knew they were the right people to be sent. So perhaps the missionaries just cut themselves off from community. And they never allowed their call to be tested. I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, if you do not plan on listening to other voices in your community... You do not plan on listening to God. Because go through the whole Bible. Occasionally God speaks through a bush. Occasionally through a fire, a cloud. But the majority of the time, God is sending messages through other people. And confirming messages that God has sent through other people. So uh, all of us who think we're called to do something need each other to test out that call but also to support that call. We need some air in, in our balloon. And, and not just money, though money's important for many things that we do, but note the importance of prayer. I dare say that if you take prayer out of, the, out of the book of Acts, you have nothing going on. You have very little happening at all. So much starts in prayer and continues in prayer in the book of Acts. And notice they are worshiping, they're praying to God when they get this word to uh, send out Saul and Barnabas. But this is what I love about it. You know, if I'd have gotten a word from God, send out Saul and Barnabas, I would have stopped. Stop the service. Stop the prayer time. Let's do it. But what the scripture says is they finished praying and fasting. Then they laid hands on Saul and Barnabas and, and sent them out. So often when I ask God for guidance or advice and I get it, then I quit praying for a while until I need it again. And one of the things we see in the book of Acts is that prayer is a continual relationship and experience with God. And so they're going to continue it. And when they had finished that portion of their their time of prayer and fasting, then they carried out the orders that God had for them. So we need the prayer and support of community. So, you know, if a missionary couple comes back and they're on the dock alone, part of me thinks they missed out. They dropped the ball. They forgot they were part of a larger group. But there is that other possibility. Maybe they didn't mess it up. Maybe their church did. Maybe their community didn't understand that part of being a church is sending people out into the world. In fact, uh, one of the commentators I read on the scripture made this claim, that if you are not sending people out into the world, you are not a church. Now, they don't have to go to Africa. Uh, they can just go down to work 
go to their neighborhood volunteer association or the soccer fields. But if, if you're not sending, you're not a church. If your only concern is yourself and how you're faring and how your family is faring, if that's the only concern, it's not unimportant, but if that's the only concern, you're not really a church. It was shortly after the end of World War II when Archbishop uh, William Temple made this famous statement. He said, the church is the only institution in the world that exists for the very people who aren't there. The church is the only institution in the world that exists for the people who are not there. We're always being sent. Uh, We're sent to care for and reach out to the very people who are not a part of us. If we're only sent to ourselves, we're not a church, we're a club. And clubs are wonderful and they're fun. But clubs are not churches. So maybe this church missed it and they left their missionaries at the dock. Maybe they forgot the opportunities and responsibilities of a, a, a sending church. Thank goodness Antioch did not. According to Josephus, Antioch was the third most important city in the Roman Empire after Rome and Alexandria. It was positioned on what we might call the frontier. It was, it was uh, on, on the edge of the empire heading west. And so it was a logical place for the future Captain Kirks, those who wanted to go where no one had gone before, to launch from. And so it's entirely appropriate and it makes sense that God would take this frontier town, this frontier church at the crossroads of the world, and have them send Saul and Barnabas out into the world. When we are at the frontiers, when we are at the crossroads, and God has blessed us and enabled us to be here, The responsibility that comes with it is send, send. And maybe the church missed the message when they when they had missionaries left alone on the dock. Maybe they didn't know they were supposed to do that. Or maybe they found doing it too costly. You see, I believe what the Bible teaches us in having Saul and Barnabas sent, who are the very leaders in this church at Antioch, that God is telling us when you send, you send your best. When you send, it's a real sacrifice. That as Donna mentioned earlier, uh, one of the themes of this, this message and service this morning is that mission is costly. Anytime you send someone forward, it, it's possible you won't see them for a while. Or ever. I've uh, been, as some of you know, at Riverside, our north campus, for the past three uh, Sundays. And I've seen people after the services and before the services there that I've not seen in years because they used to be here. And they were part of, the, of those that we sent. And now they're there. And, and when I think of it, it's a great joy to have that reunion, but there's also an aching when you look and see that people you used to work alongside of aren't here anymore. Uh, it, it, for a number of years, um, I worked alongside their pastor, Scott, and now just to see him once a week when he comes into town uh, here on Tuesday, that's painful, that's different. We used to be together frequently, but that's part of the cost of mission. Um, when we started New Heights in 1999, there were a number of people who would sit with us every Sunday here in worship who now were over at the gym, uh, including the pastoral uh, leader. And we'd see them sometimes, but they're not with us, and, and that, that's painful in many regards. And then, of course, we went on to start Riverside six years later, and we even have less a chance of seeing those folks. But that's what it is to be ascending church. Back when we started um, Riverside, 
we uh, had a mission drive and, and collected the money for this. But we ended up, over the first few years, spending about half a million dollars uh, to get Riverside going. On a normal Sunday morning, now in the summer that's not normal, so in the school year, there will on, at Riverside be about 600 people in worship. And experts tell us for every person that's in worship, there's probably another one at least that's not there on that Sunday, but considers themselves a part, active part of that community. So let's assume 1,200 active people at Riverside. $500,000, 1,200 people. I'll let you do the math, but when you do the math, ask, what's a life worth? What's a soul worth? Do you know for our investment of $500,000, we have seen atheists become Christians, agnostics become Christians, marriages put back together in that community. We've seen youth that were heading on uh, a, a difficult, very rocky path uh, brought back uh, to a path uh, that would lead them in, uh, in better ways and healthier ways for their future. We've seen a number of people who need everything from clothes to refrigerators who have been helped out of Riverside. All of that because a number of years ago, we sent out our best. And now, as some of you know, we are sending um, about $200,000, that's our commitment over the next few years, to San Pedro, to Asbury, to our campus there, to not only reinvigorate an existing faith community, but to enlarge it and reach out uh, to a largely um, a Hispanic community that surrounds Asbury that's not likely to drive over down to Bassey Road, 825 Bassey. And again, it's a sacrifice. And again, there are people that are there faithfully that we will not see. But mission is costly. And I need you to know that having spent three weeks at our North Mission, that it makes a difference. And so we could stop here and pat ourselves on the back, except that's not the point of the story. To be a church, you're always sending. And to be a church, you are always sent. Let's go back to the five names I mentioned in the, in the scripture this morning, just if you caught them. The first one was Barnabas. He is from Cyprus. Uh, the next person who's mentioned is a guy named Simeon, called Niger, which means he's a black man. Uh, and in that time, more than likely, he was uh, not from uh, Antioch, but likely from Africa. There was Lucius of Cyrene, which means he's from Libya. There's um, Menaean, who is a friend to uh, a childhood friend of Herod Antipas, Herod the Tetrarch, which means he's from Galilee. And then there's Saul of Tarsus. Do you see what happened? This sending group had all been sent. They had all gathered there. They had been somewhere else first and ended up here. We don't pat ourselves on the back because we sent a few people up to 81 or we sent some people over on San Pedro. We know that our job is never finished because we are always sent. Maybe we're sent at work. Maybe we're sent across the street to a neighbor we haven't met yet. Maybe we're sent to uh, one of the nursing homes nearby our campus within yards of this campus. But we are all sent. I believe that's so important, sentness, 
to being a disciple. That one of the things I'm really pushing hard starting next Sunday, you'll start reading and seeing it, is a retreat September 21st through 23rd called Faith Walking 101. And the goal of Faith Walking 101, it's a little bit like having an Emmaus retreat, if you're familiar with Emmaus. It's like a weekend retreat we have here at Alamo Heights. And the upshot of it is that people leave that retreat and wherever they find themselves in the world, they live for Christ in ways that make the community a better place. That's called faith walking. And we'll be pushing it because not only are we senders, we are sendees. We are folks sent wherever we are in the world to take the love of Christ. A few weeks ago, you may have seen it in the paper, maybe you saw it on the news. It was Hallandale Beach in Florida. And there was a guy that was drowning in the water. So there was a lifeguard that left his stand, went down, went over to where the man was drowning, and with the help of somebody else, rescued the man, brought him ashore, CPR. The guy's life is saved. The next day, the lifeguard's fired for saving this man's life. You see, this man was drowning on another part of the beach. And that wasn't the lifeguard's assigned section. So when he saw the man drowning, he wasn't supposed to do anything about that. It wasn't his territory. When he got fired, two other lifeguards quit in protest. And I don't blame them. What's a lifeguard there to do if not to save the drowning, whether in front of them or the next section over? I tell you that story. Because if I could give you one message this morning that I think is from Saul and Barnabas, the message for you would be, leave your beach. Leave your beach. Wherever there is need, wherever there is hurt, wherever there is despair, be there with the love of Christ. Because you are not only those who send, you are those who are sent.